Hello and welcome to Ascend Higher, the podcast of True Freedom Trust. We are a UK-based charity that holds to the historic Christian understanding of what the Bible teaches on sex and relationships. We provide teaching, pastoral support, conferences and local support groups. Each quarter we produce a magazine called Ascend with a range of articles, reviews and personal stories all dealing with the issues around what it's like to be a Christian attracted to others of the same sex. You can sign up to receive your free copy of Ascend by visiting our website truefreedomtrust.co.uk. In the winter edition of Ascend, one of our members, another Stuart, has written an article entitled Lonely in Families. It's about his experience as a single man of joining together with a family this year. Paul and Sue invited Stuart to join them regularly in their household. And while the context is the lockdown of 2020, there are many principles of hospitality, inclusion, committing to one another as church family that are really timeless. So I met with Stuart, Paul and Susan one evening to explore with them how they'd each found joining together regularly at Paul and Sue's home and what they'd learned from the experience. Lovely. Well, thank you, um, Paul and Susan, for having us in your home. It's great to be here. And I understand from Stuart's article that you, Paul and Susan, you're particularly into um, food. You love your food. (laughs) And I understand that during um, having Stuart around to, to, to be here, that you've been going through various countries' cuisine. Yes. And so I thought I'd ask perhaps Susan first, what's been your favourite country that you've tasted of this year? Oh, goodness me. Um, So probably, for me, South Korea, because it was so uh, involved. I think, Mm. Paul, I have to say, I take very little involvement in this. I am... I'm not too bad at cooking, but uh, Paul is the chef in our house, so I take it upon myself to wash up on a Sunday <laughs> and make teas and coffees. That's my role. Um, but, I, but for South Korea, Paul, I think, had to make about 17 different elements. Um, so it was really involved and just beautiful to look at, but also the uh, the sticky chicken, I think, will remain one of our firm favourites. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys agree? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. South Korea for mains, and then uh, part of the deal was that Stuart does, we do the mains, and Stuart does the desserts. Um, and so I don't think there's been a week where Stuart turns up with just one dessert. Um, it's always two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but South Korea was really not. The best. No, South Korea was not <laughs> to our taste. Okay. Um, was that the week of Yaksik? That was Yaksik, yes. Yeah. Yes, which is... It sounds worse than it was. <laughs> uh, the okay. best week was Russia. Good dessert. Uh, yes. For the yes. Yeah, little mm. potato cakes. No potato in them. They just look like little potatoes. <laughs> Quite so sweet. Still. <laughs> mm. Yeah, very sweet. Um, with as much rum as you can try and manage to yes. inject into raisins and... Mm. The other ingredients as possible. So it sounds quite dense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Digested, really digested biscuit, <laughs> condensed milk, and marshmallow are the main constituent parts. And mm. cherries and, and raisins soaked in rum or any other alcohol that 
We might have to hand. <laughs> mm, my mouth is watering. <laughs> so to set a little bit of a context for this, let's go back to earlier in 2020. And maybe you could just, Stuart, can you just tell us a little bit about your relationship with Paul and Susan? You, you go to the same church? That's yes. Right. Yes, I've known Paul and Sue for Susan for um, years. I can't quite remember. I mean, I was at the church before both of them arrived. Um, so I've known them all their life. Um, yeah, while they were still single, and then they got married a few years ago. I was going to say they're a little bit younger than me, but not vastly different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's we're close enough in age to, to be hanging out a bit, I guess is what I'm sure. trying to say. Yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, earlier this year, lockdown happened. And in your article for Ascend, you wrote that... Um, various things made you quite cross, quite angry. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I'm going to go back 15 years or so when I read a book called The Five Love Languages and and discovered that my love language was touch. Um, and touch had been, without me realising, uh, I, I was touch deprived. Um, uh, and gradually over that last 15 years or so I've been working on appropriate ways of receiving more touch and affection and I think I'd thought that I was doing quite well <clears throat> and then I read a blog by another single lady just at the start of lockdown um, and I had been struggling for the previous few months um, from the end of last year uh, 2019 into 2020 um, and then suddenly it sort of clicked. It was like, oh, maybe I'm not getting anywhere near as much touch as I feel like I ought to be. I was, I did a little bit more research on it and and sort of thought, actually, maybe I'm touch deprived again. Um, and so if touch is my love language and I'm not getting enough touch, then it means that I'm in a background way, not feeling loved, not feeling appreciated, not feeling valued. And although I can know in my head, I have friends and family, church friends particularly, who who I know care about me and love me, it doesn't match with how I feel. Mm. Um, and so emotionally, I was really struggling. And as I say, initially couldn't quite work out why and was just thinking life was difficult. And, and But it, led, it did lead to me... Um, finding life tough and finding myself tough as well. Angry that I was feeling angry all the time, mm. for example. <clears throat> um, and so right at the start of lockdown, I realised I was probably struggling with <laughs> touch deprivation and, and realising I'm just entering a period of time when I'm least able to do anything about that. And you're single and you live on your own. So you exactly. can see from the the rules that you are going yeah. to be quite isolated from other people. Yes. Hence and feeling quite angry about yes, that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and rather than being full of faith and saying, okay, God, please, can you provide for my needs? I'm finding myself struggling to pray. And, and if I'm saying anything to God, it's, come on why can't why is life so tough for me as it were and so so I was angry at God rather than angry with God as it were but but it was just yeah I wasn't I wasn't in a place of faith um and so when when 
Paul and Sue said, would you like to come round and, and spend Sundays with us for the foreseeable future? And we'd like to sort of adopt you through lockdown. Um, it kind of broke through an awful lot of that mm. anger, really touched me and, and it's been an amazing blessing. And and I think I was sort of emotionally, I think I was heading downhill. I, You know, <clears throat> in one sense, I might have felt like I was, I'd hit a, a, a bottom as it were. But actually, I think because of lockdown, I think I would have been headed further down, as it were, Mm -hmm. because there wasn't, uh, you know, apart from someone like, you know, Paul and Sue reaching out to me, actually, in in the natural, there wasn't an expectation of the situation improving of Mm. only getting worse. Um, So So without without this opportunity to kind of join in 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 Paul and Sue's household, it could have been a very difficult year for you. I think I was already really struggling emotionally Mm. and. Um, uh, yeah, and I think it would have, I think it would have got a lot worse. I was already Mm. beginning to not join. So our church had started online services and I'd, I'd sort of, if I can't meet people, then I'm not going to bother to do it online. Mm. That seems like that's going to be a waste of time. It's just going to wind me up even more. I'm going to see people that I want to be affectionate with and, you know, and I'm going to be so far away from them, seeing them on a screen. So I'd already, I was already disengaging from the new opportunities to to kind of meet with people mm. in an online way so i can foresee that of continuing to go mm. worse and worse and of yeah getting quite depressed and miserable and being a <coughs> yeah being a difficult person then to love probably understood so paul and sue you you could maybe see that stuart was was struggling you yeah, knew him in the church you could, go, you could say you know you could was it a big prophetic word? And you think, no, actually, I think it starts with Stu's been down on himself, but it starts with Stu having been open with us for um, several years, you know, um, was him sharing that touch was his love language. So before this started, we knew that whenever we saw Stu, that we had to give him a hug. It was like, okay. This is how the guy, I could tell him he's loved, but I actually just need to give him a hug. Mm. And so we'd already started that, but that's because Stuart told us that. Mm. And we knew enough about our friend and he'd shared enough about it. That as soon as lockdown happened and the, we knew that then furlough happened, we were just sat there going, we know what Stu, we know mm. Stu's needs and they're not going to be met. Mm. And we're going to push the boundaries a little bit of the rules and declare ourselves a household in two buildings <laughs> um, because we think that more damage to Stuart will be done by being isolated than by possibly getting infected. Mm. But not perhaps an easy time for you to include someone in your household because you're, you've got a young baby and mm. not perhaps the most convenient time. People might think, oh, hospitality is for maybe when you've got a little bit more time and, and energy. So that must have been quite a thing to to say, come in, come in and you're welcome again and again to, to kind of join our household, even when you've got your challenges in terms of nights and uh, energy and so forth. It's, it's so, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you'd, you'd think that um, going into it, but our experience has been the absolute opposite. So I think initially, none of us knew how long all of this would go on for, right? So I think initially thought, oh, well, it might be a couple of months, you know, and 
and we'll be doing a wonderful thing for Stuart and you know we're good Christian people <laughs> and we'll <coughs> you know and we'll we'll do that for Stu because we love him and we know what a reward that will be for him and how you know potentially life-saving that will be for him um and it was so funny because about three weeks in we suddenly realised, oh my gosh, we are on to the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Invite a single guy over and you've got a babysitter, you've got someone who fixes everything. Like, we, we had a squeaky door at the beginning of lockdown and it was driving us mad, but neither of us had time or patience or inclination to sort it out. And one day I came in the door and I was like, that squeak's gone. And I was like, I bet Stuart's fixed that. And he hasn't even told us about it. He's just done it quietly mm. without us noticing. And and then I asked him, yeah, he had. So it's like we get free desserts. <laughs> we get, he's like he's brilliant with our daughter, and uh, she loves him, and that's really precious to see. Um, I think there's also you can invite people over for Sunday lunch for a couple of hours, and at the end of it, you pack up and you're really exhausted because you've had this hosting vibe. But what you quickly break through, the first Sunday that Stu came, we did from 10 in the morning till 10 in the evening, and it, we very quickly broke down to, we're not hosting, we're just doing life together in the same room, and we're going to spend some time together, and then sometimes someone's going to need to go and change the baby, or someone's going to, maybe we'll all take a walk together, or sometimes it's just we're, we're just all a bit on quiet. Or we'll reading. Or we'll do stuff together or we won't do stuff together. But I hope Stu's felt that we're like, you know, it's just you can't, you don't need to talk for 12 hours straight, mm. but you can just do life together. And so I'd encourage people that it's, yeah, sometimes hospitality can be draining, but living in a family isn't so once you mm. need to it's getting over that thresh that threshold of like mm. it's not an, we're not entertaining stew so entertaining is off is quite exhausting isn't it because it's this pressure to mm. keep impressing and yeah. um occupying someone mm. but if you were in, inviting stew into your household and he was here to stay mm. perhaps you could kind of just let your guard down and mm. you could see what life is like, warts oh, and all, yes, and join in. Like, yes. <laughs> and our daughter is a whirlwind, and you do have to keep your eye on her the whole time. And so I think Stu put in the article, like, it was genuinely nice to have parts of Sunday where Stu's doing it for half an hour, and we're like, this is so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me, what, what was it like... Um doing church together so I think you were watching it online but did it make a difference for for each of you to kind of be joining two households together and to be have a sense of kind of that fellowship yeah 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 yeah. I mean definitely Um, scripture tells us where two or more are gathered there I am with you and we're sort of one right we're kind of we've been made one by being married and so it really felt like Oh, we're two or more gathered. And, um, yeah, it was just really lovely. Stuart's got an amazing voice, so we're, like, three-part harmonising all the way through. <laughs> and um, <laughs> just really been really fun. And It adds um, the element of church that you miss. Uh, you, online church, 
is only a church, a church service is not just the content coming from the front. Um, and a church service isn't also the whole of church life, but it fulfills more than just a delivery system. And so and having church service online is just the delivery part of what church is about. And you miss the community, you miss the ministry, you miss the prayer. And we haven't done a whole lot like in the church service of ministry, but we're spending the day together and we're talking and we'll pray over something or we'll just talk things through. And it's mm. we're doing the other part mm. of a Sunday service together. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's on a small scale, but yeah. it's church on a small scale, but it's yeah, still absolutely. fellowship. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And I think for me, so there have been the odd week or two uh, when Paul and Susan have been away or something like that. And so I've watched the service on my own. So both Paul and Sue are, are worship leaders and, and worship is music and worship is something that's important to them and they do it really well. I think it would have been very easy for me. I'm saying I think because I've not really had, as I say, I've only had the one odd week here or there when I've been on my own. But I think if, if I had been on my own and I'd had the gumption to actually join in with the church service, I think I might have been quite inclined to be quite passive and to sit and to just kind of watch and to hum along maybe. Mm. Um, but but it's been really brilliant being with Paul and Susan because, because we'll stand and we'll worship as if it's, you know, as if we're at church. Mm. Uh, and so there is a real active participation that I, I don't find difficult, uh, but I think I would have found it easy not to have been active in in the sung worship in that kind of way and so so I think that's made a difference mm. uh, for me um I, I can't know because as I say I I haven't spent any time really on my own um but I think that's it's quite a strong hunch that or guess that that's what it would have been like mm. so that's been a real blessing for me um and actually over the last few weeks I've kind of thought we haven't necessarily prayed together much mm. but that's something I've kind of been thinking we should do that because yeah, that would just do. be the uh, another mm. added ingredient mm. of together with with Jesus together mm. in our relationship with Jesus and praying mm. for one another yeah. and um and you can't do that if you're on your own mm. in mm. in anything like the same way there's something very special about gathering mm. with others mm. and and praying together so so it sounds like if you've been kind of isolated as households <clears throat> things might have sort of um, just gone ease down a bit, but because you were sort of sparking each other off and coming up with ideas, it kind of allowed you to kind of come with more energy to, to worship and yeah. Um, yeah. come with, with different ideas and yeah. galvanise each other. Yeah, An expectation of hearing from God for other people mm. in a way that you wouldn't be if you were on your own, probably. Mm. So that's, that's been, I think most, some of the most significant differences for me uh, being on my own, as opposed to being with these guys. Mm. So they initially maybe thought that they were going to have you for one or two months, mm. but here we are 
six months later and no sign of lockdown They're ending. Pulling their hair out. <laughs> um, so yes. where, what's the deal? Is it are you? You kind of you're still coming here and. Yeah, it's um, still ongoing. It's interesting. I, th- I don't think life will ever be the same for our family. I think Stu will always be a very special member of our family. <clears throat> mm. um, I am, I've been really interested in my walk with this. Paul said to me about halfway in <clears throat> from where we are now. So I'm really surprised because, you know, you love your own space and you love your own time. And I've been expecting almost any week for you to say, I'm not sure we should have Stuart this week. I think we should have a week off. And you just haven't said that. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't feel like I need it. Stuart's brilliant. And and I think there's a grace on us. I think God's really been, yeah, for us in this so um yeah i think once once we come out of what we're in and we'll be going back to normal church sure things will change Stu won't be coming around every single sunday i doubt (laughs) because we'll have other people to go and see and we'll have other people to invite but um i think i'd really like to think that Stu could literally knock on our door without any invitation and feel that he's totally welcome to come. And I think, but and I think more point. than that, I think we'd, we would be more deliberate, like our friendship has grown mm. and we were in sort of community before and it's just, it's grown. So we would do, um, we always go, we we went on, before lockdown, we'd, we'd holidayed together mm. and when we go to Christian festivals, we'll all cook together and we'll start. So we've been forming, beginning to form this kind of uh, bond, bond and, <coughs> and family unit, I think. Mm. As you put in the article, I think we, we also just believe that, that family extends beyond your blood relatives. And years ago, I was living abroad and one of my uh, church leaders um um, had um, I was in his home group, uh, connect group or whatever you want to call it, a small group, and uh, <coughs> there was a new woman there who um, was a single older lady, and he, the church leader, just said, "I want to honour this woman because for many many years they'd moved to different parts of the world, but they'd met up and." she had taken the initiative and said, I'm going to be part of this family and had come and, and you'd seen the benefit of a single person being in a family. And it's like, it's such a benefit to have a family bigger than just, you know, um, than your own. And I saw that and I was like, yeah, I think I was really touched by that and really believed that. And I think we both have that kind of like, it should be more than that. So, yeah, and it's a two way street. I think we got married later, not late in the world's eyes, perhaps, but it's certainly in Christian culture late. Mm. (laughs) Um, And so we've been, we've both been single for a while. And so we know what it's like on the other side as well. We know, we know what it is to feel lonely. We know what it is to feel. Uh, on the outside we know what it is to balance to sort of battle those lies 
and we also know what it is to be proactive in going and finding a family or finding friends to hang out with or mm. forming groups and how hard that can be and so I think we've always felt so it is really worth mentioning that this has been a like I said from the very beginning we knew what Stu needed because Stu had shared that previously he'd been vulnerable enough with us he'd been vulnerable and and said to us on you know occasions and talked things through and and been our friend and so mm. like I said it wasn't a prophetic moment where I guessed at what my friend needed my friend had already told me this is what I need and we went into lockdown going there's our friend <coughs> who needs these things and isn't going to get them and so we need to do something about it and so there's both encouragement to families adopt single people but to single people it might not be as harsh as you know invite yourselves around but there's Stuart did more than I think he might give himself credit for by putting himself out there as it were mm, it sounds like Stuart and you had both kind of done some groundwork in terms of yeah. festivals and stuff kind of just building those connections so that when the time came in lockdown and it, it really made sense for you to connect that mm. this wasn't coming from from nowhere this has mm. been something that you've been working on for a while mm. yeah, yeah yeah definitely mm. Um, yeah, I think sometimes we you can forget as a single person that you might have really dwelt on, oh, I'm going to feel really lonely, I'm going to feel really lonely. Um, and it's okay to tell people that because, like we say, we're busy families. It wouldn't have been our first thought and it was only because we knew, we knew Stu mm. and he'd already said these things that we were like, okay, now we can step in and help. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we, if it's you had never said anything, we would have just gone, oh, he'll be fine. Got kind of like in a strange way, is like trying to think of, I'm just trying to think of encouragements for both sides of how we can get, um, I think it, church would be a whole lot healthier if there were more singles knitted into mm. families. Definitely. So, Stu, you uh, wrote in your article about hospitality being like a form of secret spiritual warfare. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit more what you meant by that? Um, so I think it's something that I've been pondering maybe over the last year or so before before lockdown. <clears throat> um, uh, and I think it was realising that actually when you welcome people into your home, even if it's entertaining, as we were talking about before, as opposed to what Paul and Susan have done, which is welcoming into their family, not just entertain me on a Sunday as it were but even if it's um, even if it's just and I'm not saying that it's it's not a bad thing on its own but even if it's just entertainment you're still welcoming people into your home and into your life there is a degree of making yourself vulnerable when we welcome people into your home they can start to judge you according to (laughs) what your home looks like what possessions you have what food you serve um But I think that there is something about that that cuts through lies that people might be believing that they're not welcomed. Mm. Um, It cuts through lies that you're alone and that other people don't care or that you're not really wanted or... And so I think that there's a sort of a secret spiritual warfare. It's like, oh, come round for some beans on toast or come round for a coffee. 
But actually what you get is much more than that. What mm. you get is somebody extending their heart to you. What you get is somebody saying, you're, you're welcome here. Mm. I want you in my life. Let's chat. Let's talk. Let's communicate. Let's, to some degree, let's be more intimate than we have been. Let's get to know each other. Let's talk about life. And, and I think there's something very deeply powerful, therefore, spiritually about that act. Mm. Because, because I don't think that you can be invited into somebody's home and they share your, their food with you. It's much more difficult to then go away and say, oh, nobody loves me. Nobody cares. And, and those are the kinds of lies that the enemy would love to speak over us. Mm. Nobody cares. Nobody really loved you. You know, they've all got their busy lives, you, you know. He would love to isolate people like that. And so I, that's where I kind of feel like it's a sort of a spiritual warfare because it's, you know, you're not talking about loneliness. You're just inviting people around. So it's it's so that's why I feel like it's a secret kind of thing, because it's like it, it's not the focus, mm. but it really does speak into uh, a sense of loneliness that somebody might have, for mm -hmm. example, or a sense of just feeling on the fringes or feeling left out. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But we don't hear perhaps very much about hospitality from the front in our churches. Mm. And maybe in these days where people are increasingly um, communicating with one another electronically and mm. maybe people on a Sunday are just exhausted and just want to kind of collapse and have their own space. Mm. I wonder if we just, I wonder if the sort of the art of, even as you say, just having people around for Sunday lunch is a bit of a lost art in our churches. I wonder what we can do to capture some of the importance of, mm. of what that means to to kind of fellowship with one another more than just mm. in the service mm. and actually invite one another into our lives more yeah and it's i think it's quite a quite a western thing so if you're in the middle east hospitality is like absolute center point um and jesus obviously Middle Eastern um, and you read the scriptures and you can see how important it is to be in each other's lives and and you know Christ gives us very few instructions really but one of the most important is remember me whilst breaking bread together yeah. he's expecting us to be eating and sharing our lives yeah. that way and um and there's this great sort of there is a profound mystery yeah. in that communion in in breaking bread together there is this secret warfare i think that yeah. is going on and um yeah if we could sort of almost modernize communion yeah. <laughs> that way and get people excited about what's spiritually going on if you're sharing a meal with someone i think that would be really that'd be really cool having a home is a really powerful thing in hospitality but i think one of the lies is it's the only way to be uh, to practice hospitality i think you can do it in many ways and stuart has done it um by he's part of the catering team he's part of the family when we've had other people we've invited other people without breaking the rule of six into the home and Stuart's been part of the being hospitable to other people. And I think you can invite people to the pub and that's practicing hospitality. Mm. Um, you can um, invite yourself. We had some friends invite themselves around here and cook us a meal. 
um, recently. They said, we're going to cook a meal and bring it over to your house because that's the way we can not break the rule of six because they had too many kids. So, mm. um, and there's, there's loads and loads of ways you can, and I think you're right. I think it's, but I think it's also, it's the kind of, I remember when I was single and I was living abroad, um, I could have sat there and gone, oh, what, and it was coming up to Christmas and I was going to be alone. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So I thought to myself, um, well, I'm sure there'll be other people that were alone. So I've got a bit of a, I had a decent space at that point. So I said, oh, I'll start inviting people for Christmas. And I ended up having 23 people come to my house for Christmas, <laughs> including another family who <laughs> came. Um, and you can, yeah, um, uh, you know, I'd love to encourage families to bring singles in, but I could also think it's like that's just because you've heard us want to say just because you've heard our story, don't think that that's the only. Mm. There are so many ways to practice hospitality. I know mm. friends who moved to Japan, and one of the things in Japan is you just always eat out. So they were surprised because they would never invite anybody to their house because nobody had a big enough house to host people. So hospitality was going to a restaurant and having a meal, I think. Yeah. So people shouldn't feel put off uh, offering hospitality, even if they don't feel they're very good cooks or no. they don't have a big space. There's kind of quite a lot of creative ways of mm. just doing life together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then um, sometimes it's just the initiation. It doesn't take, a, you know, it, doesn't, it can seem like a big onerous task. But that Christmas, I just start inviting people and um, we did a bring and share. It was not a lot of work and it was a really fun Christmas. And all I had to do was say, hey, would you like to come? Would you like to come? Would you like to come? And the same has been with Stu. Would you like to come over? <laughs> Hasn't been hard for us at all. <laughs> it's been really fun, really easy. So, Stu, you've kind of been invited into Paul and Susan's household and been helping with the baby and cooking and everything. And I just wonder what that's what you've seen in terms of married life and parenthood and whether that's kind of changed any perceptions you might have had of, of, of that mm. um so i don't think i don't think i was living under any illusion that marriage was going to be a you know a perfect bliss and there weren't going to be issues um, don't be too rude, <laughs> <laughs> um so so i don't think i was sort of under any illusion that you know that marriage was going to be the perfect answer to singleness as it were and um and so i don't feel like that it's not exactly that that's there's been any sense of that being crushed or you know or those ideals being shattered um but i think something of the particular stage where paul and susan's are at with that with the young child is just the the relentlessness maybe that there can be of you know if the baby is up several times in the night you still have to get up in the morning and make breakfast and carry on the day and so some of it is is just recognizing um I, I suppose it it's helped to highlight just how selfish it is for me to live the way that I do at the moment because you know I do whatever I want to do and and when there's a child around that has to be cared for, it's like it doesn't matter how grumpy or moody or tired or weary you are. Actually, you still have a child that needs to be looked after. And and so seeing some of that, I think, for for both Paul and Susan. Um, so it's, it's maybe more about parenthood than it is about marriage that I suppose I've appreciated just how 
just how tough that can be and and how much selflessness it it therefore requires and it sounds like you can't necessarily see that in one go but when you're kind of seeing it time after time and you see good days and bad days with the young child you get more of a a sense of what that's really like yeah i mean i kind of feel like oh if i'd you know if i was up ill myself you know during the night was up several times i'd feel like well i'm entitled to a line then on saturday morning aren't i (laughs) or you know but but when there's a child you just you just can't do that you have to carry on and however tired you are that you know the dinner still needs to be made and everything still has to happen um so yeah um i think you've also seen how um we're really not perfect and actually hmm. that being married has maybe like sanctified us a bit but we're still we've still got a long way to go right and so yeah for you when you get into that place where you think oh if I get married and if I have children it'll all get fixed and all of these feelings I have about myself they'll go away I think they've been challenged as well haven't they yes although I think I would say that I've probably arrived at a place where I'm like I think I know some of how difficult marriage would be you know before having spent lots of time with you guys in lockdown um I think I'd already realized that you know marriage is not an easier route Mm. it's a different route Mm. um and I remember hearing teaching years ago uh, and and basically the guy was saying marriage is marriage is God's shortcut to sanctifying you (laughs) because you're faced constantly with somebody else the two of you have to get along Mm. and as a consequence you you have to submit you have to compromise you have to work things Mm. out as a single guy, I just don't experience that or, or hardly experience that. It's like, I, I don't want to eat that today, so I'm not going to eat that today. I don't want to, you know, go to the shop, so I'm not going to go to the Do you know what I mean? Mm. I just choose whatever I want to do and I can just live according to how I feel. Mm. And I recognise that, you you know, you can't do that in marriage. So so I suppose I was, to some degree, I was already aware mm. of that. Mm. But I suppose maybe what it's done is highlighted just a little bit more just how powerfully sanctifying marriage is um in a way that i almost feel like i'm just avoiding (laughs) by continuing to be single (laughs) i don't have to sort my stuff out because it's not affecting anybody else most of the time um i can carry on living my dysfunctional life um because because it's not impacting anyone else particularly and can i ask um paul and susan you talked about you know having spent some time as as single people yourselves in adult life but I wonder if having Stuart coming into your household has maybe reminded you of some of the challenges of singleness or given you some new insights in what it's to be, what it's like to be a single person in the church today. Or wishing you were just still single. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and I don't know if it's about having Stuart around, but... Um, We've talked about the hard stuff, but of course, marriage brings benefits as well. Mm. And one of the benefits, you know, you're always faced with someone is you've always got someone to talk to. Part of marriage is companionship. Mm. And you've always got someone to bounce stuff off. Now I'm a verbal processor, so I'll need to talk things through with Sue all all the time and mm. sometimes you'll say no that's rubbish or sometimes I'll hear it and I go no that's rubbish and, but you're talking you're kind of constantly talking um, and so there's one of the benefits and I think as a single person is remembering mm. that 
um, it's tough. It's tough because you mm. don't have that opportunity mm. as often. You know, every day, Sue and I get to debrief. We get to talk through things. We get to process. We get to handle it. And um, it's reminded us, like we see Stu, and often it would be every kind of two or three days, and you go sometimes. Uh, Sometimes you can just see that he just needs to talk. He's got to talk all this stuff out. He's got to just kind of, you've got to just get it out of you. And it might be the smallest stuff. It might have been, this is what happened at work. This is what happened at work. And then you just, I've got to share. I've got to share. And it's just reminded me of that, mm. that need of mm. people to process and talk and share. And the mm-hmm. difficulty of being single and living alone is that you don't get to do that so often. Mm. Um, and you don't get to just process it all out. And I think, mm-hmm. that's, I don't know if that's answered the question, but that's definitely something that's mm. highlighted. Mm. I think it's just so important to, I just guess, remember that we've all been single at some point, <laughs> wherever we're at now. Um, we've all... We all have been single, and so not to forget that, I guess, and and have compassion yeah. for people who are are isolated, um, will be feeling more lonely, um, will be dealing with lies, perhaps at a different level to people who are married. Not necessarily true, but um, yeah, if you are single and living alone then there are definite there are definite challenges there and so as families there are very practical easy ways in which you can help <laughs> um yeah i was never single and living alone i always lived with flatmates so the isolation perhaps was never felt in the same way for me um but yeah I definitely remember thinking oh is this just gonna go on forever and I am I gonna feel sort of disjointed somehow from am I ever gonna feel really really grounded I think as a single person you often feel like um you could blow off somewhere and no one would notice you. That's one of the big lies, I think, that the devil throws at you. <clears throat> and I remember definitely feeling at times, oh, I wonder if, if I don't show up this Sunday at church, would anybody notice if I've come or not? Um, you know, and tempted to try, you know, to test that out sometimes and see if anybody would send me a text and say, oh, where have you been this Sunday or um and so on and just remembering that remembering that that's what you felt as a single person and that lots of people will be feeling that still you know wherever they're they're at um and so yeah simple things like if someone comes into your mind just send them a message or give them a call or invite them around for coffee um, it's really not rocket science. Yeah. Thank you. One um, final question for each of you. How can we make church 
our church families more inclusive, particularly for single people? For me, um, modelling leadership um, through single people is really important. So lots of our churches are led by married people with families. And I think that's really hard for some single people because somehow in our hierarchical society, we think you've really only made it if you've got this sort of like family at the top. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and if that's the, that's the representation at the top, then you can feel like, oh, where do I belong here? Whereas if you've got very visible leaders who are single, then I think that that really helps. Mm. And that helps in diversity across the board um, with ethnicity as well. I think you're going to have people feeling like they belong more if that's represented in your leadership. Um, <clears throat> but also, you know, not always having sermons on marriage and family, but having remembering that like most of our new testament is written by a single guy (laughs) and celebrating that and Mm. you know i think uh i've heard very very few sermons on you know that bit in in scripture where paul talks about it's better to be single you know what is that about (laughs) can Mm. we unpack that please Mm. Mm. (laughs) um yeah i'd like to encourage more of that really what about you, Paul? I think um, uh, as churches, I do. I think there's, you know, there's some movement to be made in recognizing that we've really got to start thinking of our our church as our family, um, and that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, I can't remember who said it, so I feel like quoting something where you can't remember where you hear it from. But they're talking about how, like, guys who got saved out of gang culture found church really hard because gangs were their family. And then they came to church and they were expecting that. And family was meeting for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning and then having a bit of coffee. Um, after the service and so we'd go back to the gangs because that's not how a family operates right so mm. I don't see my wife uh, once a week for an hour and a half and say and declare us a family mm. um, and so if we take it seriously that we're family mm. then you actually have to start acting like your family mm. Um it's not just a metaphor, it it's is not actually a metaphor. serious. Yes. It's serious, you need to start being, as that's, that's your family. Um, mm. uh, you know, and I don't think it's quite the same scripture, but Jesus says, leave your father and mother. And father. I'm not saying leave your father and mother, but, you know, we've got, I think people have, you have more capacity than you think you do. Mm. Um, and it doesn't take as much as you think it's going to take it gives back way more and it gives back way more and yeah you um who is it? i remember someone also saying you know they 
their kid, they had their first child and they never, you know, they had all this huge amount of love and then the second child was born and they didn't then have to divide that love in half. They had another whole load of love for that child. It wasn't, one didn't diminish the other. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, I think, um, and we're on a journey and I don't think we've got it like 100% right. And it's difficult because we live in a culture that really does, we do isolate and we do that. But I think for both singles and families, and I think singles often recognise that they want that and need that. And it's, so it's quite hard to break into families, particularly in our Western culture when we're just so busy. But I think you can break through the lie that actually, if you start like with Stu, we're still busy all the time. But Stu doesn't, we we don't, like on a Wednesday, we're doing something in the evening. We'll sit down and have a quick bite for 20 minutes and, and we'll sort of say hi and bye. And, and you've got time to sit down with your family and have uh, the evening meal. And why can't there be somebody else at the table? They don't have to be there all, all night. Well, they could be all there night and just go and work on something. And just as you would operate with your family, it doesn't have to be a big event every time that you have people in your house. So, Stuart, um, let's give the final word to you. What, what do you think churches can better do to include uh, particularly single people? Mm. I, I feel like I almost want to turn it around the other way. And so I think single people have particular needs. But I think I would want to say actually every family also has needs that single people can meet. Yeah. Um, and and a family's life is enriched by welcoming single people in. Um, and and they're at a loss and their children are at a loss when it's too closed and, and it's just about a nuclear family. And so maybe we have to go slightly countercultural um, to where, where our culture is at. And so echoing what both Paul and Susan have said, um, and that is about ultimately God has welcomed us into his family. Uh, we are together the body of Christ and we are meant to be family. We are meant to have deeper relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ than we are with our blood relatives. Mm. And if that's really true, then I think that a hospitality and being involved in one another's lives and being in and out of <clears throat> one another's homes um, maybe needs to be prioritised more. Mm. Um, I, I, and in one sense, it sounds really easy for me to say that because I'm the one that feels like I've been welcomed into Paul and Susan's home. But but it has left me thinking, although my New Year's resolution for the past five years has been have people around on Sunday for a meal more often, um, actually being around with Paul and Susan every Sunday for the last six, seven months, I've kind of thought, I was sort of thinking, oh, well, I'll try and do it once a month. But, but I'm sort of almost thinking there's so much good that could be done. It doesn't have to be tiring and exhausting. It doesn't have to be a three-course meal each time. It doesn't have to be dinner each time. Um, but I, f I feel like that's where life is to be had, mm. is in inviting other people around, in 
building relationship, however slowly or, you know, in whatever small ways that might be. But, but that's sort of, that's where I feel like I'm determined at the moment uh, to, to head for the, for the future, as it were, is I just, I need to invite people around more often. Um, and I need to, I need to get myself involved in other people's lives and them in, in my life more. Um, because I feel like that's, that's how you build relationships. That's how you build a sense of family. And that, that's what means somebody can open up and start talking about something that they were struggling with. Mm. You can't do that if you just turn up each Sunday wearing your happy face mm. and trying to sort of pretend that your life is sorted. Mm. Actually, what you need is to be able to have enough depth of relationship with the people around you that you can share when life is really tough and when mm. you've got yourself, you know, I don't know, embroiled in some pattern of sin or, you know, or whatever it might be. Mm. That's that's when you can really help and support one another when there's that honesty and authenticity and in, integrity of life, mm. um, and when there's been an element of trust that's been built up. Um, so I think in terms of how can churches sort of help with singleness more, um, I think that's what I'd be saying. I think I'd be saying actually families are really missing out if they're not also including single people in their normal routines. Mm -mm. And maybe one other thing, and that is I love that there's a marriage course to help, to help folks who are married, strengthen their marriage relationship. And I've thought, why isn't there a singles course? Because I need just as much help mm. in my relationships as a single person. I'm sure as a married couple do, yeah, but somehow there's this sort of automatic thought, well, you know what you're doing if you're single, but actually if you're married, well, that's a special relationship and you need some special help there. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we're all just as dysfunctional. Mm. It's just that marriage forces you to be in relationship <laughs> and forces you to sort out those issues. But actually, like I was saying before, when you're single, you can sort of get away with not bothering to deal with any of your issues. Mm. And I feel like I'd love a course that helps me work out how can I best value and, and strengthen the relationships that I do have. Um, I, I read Vaughan uh, Roberts' book on friendship recently and found it so helpful and so challenging. How am I reaching out in my friendships? How am I you know, how am I in, in my friendship relationships? Um, and, and I, so, yeah, so I, I, maybe somebody will take that up and write a, a course for singles maybe that will be suitable do. for everybody. Maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe how to not do singles. <laughs> well. I definitely think that the, one of the big keys for us, which was incidental and how it came out was when we invited you over for the whole day, mm. it was like, it wasn't a come for lunch. And then we sort of stumbled into it, didn't we, really? But we just said, come for the whole day. And it was 10 till 10, I remember, because it was like we did the full 12 hours. And it just really naturally happened then. It wasn't a come for just a small period. It was... And what, and what shifted in that, opening up your whole day? What was different about that? It's because you, you can't put on a face of entertainment for 12 hours because you'll burn right out <laughs> so at some point you're forced you're forced into just going into all oh, right well we've, we've got to do the washing now like wash the clothes ready for tomorrow and 
Yeah. Iron, iron, do the ironing and make sure that life and life. It's just very real life. Life has to at some point click back in, um, and you, you usually you usually wait till your guests have gone. <laughs> But when someone's there for the whole day, it's got to happen at some point, and it, mm. you'd, and it, but it's not a, um, it's not something you naturally do. You just go right, come out for lunch, um, but, and just for a couple of hours, and I'll do the ironing as well. So it's, it's almost like <laughs> it, it, it does take that time to force you because you'll feel uncomfortable. You'd feel really weird. Go, come over for lunch, and I'll just do the ironing <laughs> while I'm doing it. I think everyone. Feel, so I, was just, I think that's a maybe that's like as a takeaway. It's like try if anyone who's not sure, try that and say. Hey, would you like to come and spend an entire day with us? Well, there you go. Thank you for that challenge, Paul. <laughs> well, Susan, Paul and, and Stuart, thank you so much for sharing tonight. And uh, it's been very interesting hearing what you've been able to share. And in some ways, it's felt like a form of hospitality because you've you've shared some of your experiences with us listening in. So I thank you for your openness and your honesty in that. Well, my thanks go to Susan, Paul and Stuart for being willing to talk so openly about how they'd found committing themselves to one another in friendship. I hope you found it thought-provoking. So you've been listening to the Ascend Higher podcast. For more information and resources, head to our website at truefreedomtrust.co.uk or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and bye for now.